Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 404 on Tuesday, the 8th of June, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where a thing that didn't exist will continue to not exist, we'll find out who has won the latest competition for the most ridiculous percentage increase in registrations. We discuss Mission Motorsport going round and round and round in circles, twice. And we say happy birthday to an iconic vehicle. However, we go straight into new news. And Alan, yeah. start of the month-ish. <laughs> yeah, Andrew's back, so we're spared Dieselgate and Gonegate and any of the other stuff that we had to put up with last week. Uh, but yes, it is the SMMT new car registration figures, the moment you've all been waiting for. Uh, so in May 2021, uh, 156,737 new cars were registered uh, here in the UK. That is a year-on-year change of 674.1% because everywhere was still shut. Uh, last year i'm still amazed and i know we said this last year but i'm still amazed that twenty thousand vehicles got registered i know i know we said it at the time that even that was actually quite quite an achievement uh, to be perfectly honest so yeah 156,000. just to uh give you an idea compared to 2019 it was 183,724. Still a significant drop on 2019 numbers, which were a drop on 2018 numbers. But hey, it's better than last year. But then, quite frankly, so is a poke in the eye. <laughs> the numbers for, I mean, all the numbers are up, as you can imagine, year on year. Most of the market share obviously went to petrol vehicles. I did work this out earlier on. And it's about 60%, smidgen over 60% are pure petrol and mild hybrid petrol. Hybrids are 8%, plug-in hybrids are at 6%, and battery electric vehicles are at 8.4% of, of market share for the, for the year so far. Mm-hmm. Diesel, pointing out people who choose diesel uh, make up for people who choose mild hybrid diesel and just diesel uh, and that works out to just over 17 percent yep significant drop petrol is it remains king uh here in the uk uh what else do we need to know the split of private fleet and business ignoring the percentage changes which are massive (laughs) then fleet has made up a smidgen over 50 percent of the registrations last month a private 47 percent and business a tiny tiny drop in the ocean yeah it's a bit misleading the um the the headline of this say business confidence and so so when i scrolled down i was expecting business to be massive knowing it wouldn't be Mm. but would they mean fleet in that as well they just mean business general they mean business generally the trouble with fleet is that fleet also covers lease cars yeah not just rentals not just business fleet but also people who lease cars as opposed to privately purchase them or pcp them Mm. so that's one of the reasons why fleet is always really very big Uh, and motability and all these kind of things all, all get classed under fleet best sellers are you ready for magic? Lots of changes. Top 10 for May. Number 10 is the Audi A3, 2,489 units registered. All the numbers are really close together, by the way, unless I say otherwise. Number nine is the Mini. Number eight is the Toyota Yaris. Number seven is the 
Ford Fiesta Ooh. with 2,794 registered. So Fiesta in there at seventh. Number six, Kia Sportage with a smidgen under 3,000. Fifth is the Ford Puma. Fourth is the Mercedes-Benz A-Class. Third is the Volkswagen Polo with 3,518. So there is a, just over a 1,000 uh, difference in registrations for the month between 3rd and 10th with 120 something more <laughs> is the Vauxhall Corsa in at second the maths was too hard uh, but the most registered vehicle in Britain last month was the Volkswagen Golf mm. with 4181 so quite a significant jump over the just over 500 there uh, over the next up uh, Corsa that means that the Corsa is the most popular car of year to date followed by the fiesta followed by mercedes-benz a-class quick question quick question before you yes. go on do you think the puma has stolen um all those registrations from the ford fiesta or do you think it is a portion and there and if so what portion would have been fiesta i think it's a portion i think puma registrations are made up of a combination of fiesta focus and um mocha okay i also i think some of them have gone there i also think that probably i I saw some commentary about this that you know where the manufacturers have to allocate the chips Mm. because chip shortage comes into a lot of this some manufacturers are having real trouble building cars because they just can't get enough of the appropriate chips we've talked about this ad nauseum so uh, there was a comment that they're, they're, they're actually allocating those chips to the most profitable vehicles because if they're going to make fewer vehicles, they might as well make fewer of the ones that don't make them as much money and more of the ones that do make them more money. Uh, and a Puma probably doesn't cost a huge amount more to build than a Fiesta, uh, but has a premium mm. uh, on it. So I would imagine that it's that's where it's, it's going. Obviously, Toyota uh, and Lexus don't really have the same constraints, as we've talked before, and obviously Volkswagen aren't doing so badly in those. Or, quite frankly, the German specifications are so paltry that they don't tend to include the kind of things <laughs> as standard that many of the other manufacturers do. And I'm, I'm only half joking when I say that. So, you know, the, the things like, uh, so on Zoom Zoomers last night, uh, Joe Tanner was talking about this because, of course, he's a, a spreadsheet jockey for Stellantis in his words uh, around supply chain these kind of things and, and planning so he said one of the things they're doing is is they're having to decontent some specifications and in these cases you think well actually maybe the polo and the golf didn't have the specifications that included these things as standard anyway it's part of a bonus pack that maybe they're not they're not even offering at the moment mm. and that means that they can continue to build cars uh, without being slowed down by supplies of of, of certain components yeah yeah. And that's why there might be a kind of mid-range of car there that we're seeing. I'm not sure about Mercedes-Benz. They've obviously got something sorted, or, or maybe they're just not as many models with the massive screens. I think Merck are expecting to be hit more as this quarter moves on mm. as well. That I'm sure they said something like that in their last earnings call, or mm. the report to shareholders, whatever they call it in Europe, yeah. as opposed to an earnings call. Yeah, yeah, it's the shareholder big meeting thing. Mm. There you go. When they all get served sausages. 
Can't oh, no, mention sausages. Sorry. Can't, no, that's no. Volkswagen. I'm so sorry. We can't mention sausages anyway. Spreadsheet of delight. Joy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, basically, everyone is up. <laughs> but of special congratulations, just pipping another company is Suzuki with their increase in percentage. They win the award for the most ridiculous positive change in percentage to 2,564. Yes, the MG award for ridiculous percentage increases. Yes. By the way, honourable mentions go to Hyundai at 2,484% uh, increase and Mazda for 2,386%. So other than that, everyone is up by triple figures of percent. Except other imports because there wasn't a boat in. No, no well, boats. No, there for, was a boat no because there's, Tesla. Two, there's 2,000 in. But they yes. they had a boat last year. Yes. Just to sort of put a bit of flesh onto the bone of what 2,564 represents, in 2020, Suzuki registered 100. Yes. In 2021, they registered 2,664. So, you know, whilst the percentages are quite crazy, it's because the the numbers obviously are are crazy. So I think a bit of relief and... It's more relief than anything for everybody because they can see things going back upwards again and and more positive light. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, The only people who weren't massive increases, of course, were Paul Starr and Cooper who weren't uh, listed last year. There's a point. Chevrolet, by the way, has dropped off the list finally. Maybe SMMT have have heard you bemoan it enough times. There is a possibility. Right, let's move away from SMMT figures. And we're going to go to this week's car company says they're going to go electric only by a certain date. And this time it's Fiat. (laughs) And the the year is 2030. What they're saying is from 2025 onwards, they're going to phase out uh, their ICE versions of their models. And they're going to be electric only from 2030. This was all part of a conversation between Oliver Francois and uh, Stefan Boeri, who is uh, an architect and founder, where they were discussing uh, mobility, the future of cities and urban areas. And Stefano is actually quite famous for his vertical gardens and for greenifying urban architecture, and uh, amongst other things. They're all big parts of his his projects that he works on. It was interesting to hear how they're going to do that. I mean, they did talk about the 500, obviously, because that's mm-hmm. about the only thing they've got. <laughs> oh. No, it's a panda too. Don't be so unfair. Everybody's going that way because legislation is making it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how much impact the legislation in certain markets on electrification affects other global markets and whether they more quickly adopt an EV or a, a, a sorry a zero emission future yes I, I think that there's an interesting part there where after a while for the for the automakers it will become less uh, it'll become less viable to offer internal combustion engines say in certain markets and it's just not worth them making them anymore so they're only really going to offer EVs because that's all they make. Yeah, I would imagine it would it would help the, for example, in the, in more third world markets or say in uh, lower income markets 
where you've got the likes of Daihatsu, for example, mm-hmm. they would probably last longer as an ICE vehicle because yeah. they'd be targeting just those specific markets anyway. But someone who has a global reach or a brand who has a global reach would move quicker to be EV only. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, if you think some an organization like Dacia, for example, which really originally was meant for the kind of markets you're talking about, like North Africa, uh, certain parts of Central and South America, with their models, mm-hmm. then you can see that they would remain ice using older tech engines or, or current tech engines in the f- in the future will be out of date you can see them using using those whilst maybe the rest of uh, of Renault transitions to to EV yeah yeah no it makes sense but the the thing about this that struck me is is how Sergio Marchione said that this would never happen and they definitely wouldn't be doing it yeah uh, how quickly things Change. have changed they really have mm-hmm. talking of changing uh, there's an interesting uh, information about a bus depot in Scotland, isn't there? Well, yes. This is Glasgow finally moving away from what always sound and feel like cold-powered buses. Uh, <laughs> and that first bus, the irony being that they're normally last to do just about anything, intends on revamping its Caledonia depot in Glasgow, installing 160 charging points for buses and replacing about half its fleet uh, with uh, electric buses. It's expected that to charge the full fleet will use the same electricity as it takes to power a town of 10,000 people, according to the BBC. So there we go. But it, it makes sense that it's this because it's a concentrate, it's that kind of thing, because it's, it's going to be concentrated charging pretty much all at the same time. Because the buses, which are going to be built by Alexander Dennis in either Falkirk and or Scarborough, yeah, they'll be running the, the buses for 16 hours of the day, and then they'll be able to rapidly uh, to do a rapid recharge in four hours on each of them. So you can imagine that it's during the night. That, by the way, adds in an interesting thing. So sure, yeah, it's 10,000 people, but there is actually a glut of electricity in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So charging them in this way actually is a is a big bonus. Now imagine that they'll be able to do it significantly more cheaply. Yeah, They'll be able to get a very good deal with an energy company because they'll be using up essentially excess uh, electricity from the grid saving them the uh, the effort of having to store it yeah saving the effort of having to store it or, or having to to burn it off somehow that i imagine will be a good thing because the bus fleet uh, will is so uh, the numbers here are very confusing i'm so sorry just the way they're couched because it gives a an investment for all of the buses and then says each bus costs almost double the £225,000 bill for a for a, a single-decker bus. So I imagine they're probably going to cost about 450000 If you could just have said that, that would have been nice. <laughs> they're expensive machines, but again, should be lower maintenance, uh, should have lower running costs, fueling, despite the fact that obviously it's, it's going to be using a lot of energy. If they weren't using a lot of electricity, they'd be using a lot of diesel. So this is quite cool. It's an interesting start. Supposedly, the SM, there was an SNP manifesto uh, committing committing to electrify half of Scotland's 4,000 buses uh, within two years. That sounds... Pointing out by the by Kevin Keaton, the BBC Scotland environment correspondent, that people would be holding them to that, and I'm sure that if they don't manage it, it will all be Westminster's fault. <laughs> I think it's a good thing, by the way. Yeah. Just not making political jokes. This is good. This is what needs to happen in more places. It's great that it started. 
Yes, absolutely. And the sooner for the more rural areas, hydrogen becomes viable and an option for this sort of transport, the better. This very much has to be a two-prong attack, by the way, for city buses running in and around in and around Glasgow, this makes a lot of sense. For more rural or longer intercity services, then again, hydrogen starts to make more sense. It's swings and roundabouts and all these kind of things, and there is no panace- no single panacea. It has to be a, a merged, blended solution. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. And that goes for everything. Yes. The, the curious one this week, by the way, just talking about hydrogen, mm. certain car automotive group boss who's been dicing hydrogen quite a lot lately then suddenly and saying that electricity was the only way then suddenly coming out with with hydrogen tweets which was very surprising only two weeks later it was as though he's taken from a playbook of someone else who's a ceo of a company yes in the car world definitely not a car company though <laughs> anyway uh let's let's move on from being grumpy about uh about people who change their minds and blame others do you want to talk about the london ulez and classic car owners yeah because obviously the ulez zone is going to expand but this has been causing a few problems because uh, now people who own classics in the soon-to-be-expanded ULES area have been checking out there to see whether they have to pay. Presuming A lot of them presuming they don't because their cars are exempt from VED and MOT requirements, even though the proper owners will still get their cars sorted for an MOT mm-hmm. because that's what you should just do anyway. They're finding that they're not actually exempt from ULES as they were presuming they would be because they're so old, they are going to be charged by the price. Now, the thing for me on this... Right, okay, well, first first of all, there is some discrepancies and this appears to be a problem with the system. This looks like it's a bit of a database and system issue because vehicles that should be exempt because they're from uh, as an example uh, given here in the a 1960 mga or a 19 or something from 1927 they're exempt but yet they're showing up it says pre-81 vehicles already registered with the dvla as historic vehicle means that they are exempted from road tax and therefore old enough to qualify for ULES exemption mm-hmm. so somebody hasn't put that bit into their formula yes okay however I would say that if you've got a car of that age, it is not going to be putting out clean air, is it? (laughs) No, well, that's the thing. And it's not for people... This, I mean, they're saying it isn't about people using them every day. No, no. This is about if people use them one day a week, it's going to cost them 650 quid. If they did it every week for a year, yeah. 650, yeah, but 650 pounds a year if you use it once a week or year. So I think, it, and that's it, just to drive it out of the city as well. By the way, that doesn't mean that just because you're in the ULEZ, you're going to be parading it up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. doing burnouts on Regent Street. You know, this is to actually get it from your house to somewhere which could be far, far away. Yes. Mm, yeah, I'm. This this shouldn't be happening if people are if if the rules say that they should be exempt from it. But I would question exemption for something that cannot be clean 
Uh, yeah, there's there's an amount of you see if, if it were me, I would there would be an amount of usage mm. balance. You're you're free up to so many uses. Yeah, yeah, and and the number of these cars in the Eula zone is again not massive, so it's not like there is going to be clouds of smoke. All the rest of this sort of stuff, I get that. I, I you know, I understand exactly. That. Uh, so it's it's worth pointing out that this is still the checker at this point. It doesn't come in until October. TFL uh, was told Haggerty that, that design improvements would be made to remove any confusion from the process, but was unable to provide a time frame in which such changes would be made. Yeah, read, read that one between between the lines. Uh, should you should you desire, there'll be a link to Anthony Ingram's article in the show notes. Right, do you want to take us to Geneva then? I would love you to take you to Geneva because uh, in theory, uh, well, the organisers of Geneva Motor Show have confirmed that uh, that it will return in 2022. Dum, dum, dum. This is the new organisers. This is the new organisers. So the new organisers are uh, the the people who own and run Palexpo, the exhibition centre uh, in, in Geneva. And they bought it from essentially bought the rights from the foundation of the geneva international motor show who turned down a 14.1 million pound loan from from the state of geneva because that was quite prohibitive their conditions wasn't it if, if i remember yes correctly. that was that was what it was that was what they, they didn't like. so there were so many conditions which which didn't make it possible yes they're starting to organize a 2022 show now there's going to be some concept changes uh there are going to be you know it relies on on there being you know the pandemic having abated uh, enough to allow for large-scale gatherings and for international travel and supposedly the format will be an exciting evolution that is substantially different uh, from past events, uh, according to the Autocar article here. So there's going to be some changes. I have a theory about the Geneva Motor Show, and it's not going to be the pandemic, ultimately, that kills it off. I think that the greed of Geneva hoteliers is going to, to be the demise of the Geneva Motor Show. I was going to say, because I hadn't seen this story, but I'd seen a few people complaining about Geneva Hotels, so I presumed something had been said about the Motor Show. They booked them, and then they realised that, obviously, the Motor Show had been, had, had, had been announced. So then what they did was they, they, then, they then cancelled on people and then relisted the same rooms for twice as much. Uh, here's a hint, Geneva Hoteliers. If you actually want people to visit Geneva... And to continue to exhibit and all these kind of things, then stop robbing them. Yeah, people have now had uh, been two years without going. They've discovered that the world does not stop just because there isn't a motor show. And by the way, I really like physical motor shows, although I don't know that I'll be rushing there in twenty twenty two. And so, actually, you're optional these days. Yeah, you have to attract. You have to be very attractive for someone to want to go now. Yeah. I mean, I drive to Geneva, I stay in a hotel because there are nice hotels in Geneva and, and I still have an awful lot of hotel points to use, despite the fact I haven't earned very many recently. Uh, there, But to stay in nice hotels, which is great, but that's not going to actually give you the same money generally as the influx of visitors to the largest motoring event in, in the whole of Europe. Mm. So give over, frankly. Exactly. We seem to be, by the way, we've been relatively popular in Switzerland recently, so um, I should just, that, that's it. Other people are going the, to love uh, that. The, from the hotelier wing of mm -hmm. our popular our fan club. 
<laughs> right, yes. I'm going to take us to petrol prices now. And we're full of cheerful Yay. stories here, by the way. We are. Uh, petrol prices have risen for the seventh month in a row. The article on motoring research tells us now unleaded petrol costs 22p on average more than it did 12 months ago, thanks to information from the RAC. And diesel fuel is up significantly as well. I Where I was last week, unleaded and diesel was exactly the same price. Which wow. was one twenty eight point nine, and I thought, which one is making all the money up? Because <laughs> it's they're never the same price. But as this article goes on to say, the wholesale price is down mm-hmm. for both petrol and diesel, and that is not being passed on to the motorist. Partly because they're still trying to recover from twenty twenty. But they're getting to the point now where, as Alan just said, we will remove hotelier and put in petrol forecourt owners and franchise owners and say, just stop it. Enough's enough. Understand you need to claw some money back. Everyone in the world needs to do that. But it will get to the point where people go, actually, I'm just not going to drive at all. And then you lose out even bigger Mm. because that's what happened in 2008 when the last economic crisis hit. You will go through something similar if you keep pushing motorists. So give it a rest. Yeah. Uh, But I filled up the Mercedes the other day and it was 123.9. We do have some of the lowest fuel prices in the country. I'm virtually within sight of some places and still we have shockingly expensive. Yeah. But then that is yeah. because of capitalism and one company moving in, undercutting mm-hmm. everyone else. They all had to shut down and they went, well, we're the only ones here now. We can put the price up. Let's <laughs> just say, okay, great. <laughs> Next week on Communist Motoring News. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> Well, talking of which, that's that's the end of the first half. Hopefully the second half will be more chill. <laughs> yes, yes, quite, exactly. Well, I've just realised there is there is something which, which might well cheer us up, and that's that Paula Morta still hasn't got in touch, and, and I, I did Ooh. sort of warn last week that this was the last time. So you've actually just reminded me that it's time for me to reach for the cowboy hat of good fortune to redraw the... Um, uh, to redraw for the fantastic multifunctional Wi-Fi enabled ACDCWC Pioneer Dash Cam. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to put my name in a post-it note and drop it in. That I know. Hat. I know. To be honest, I'd I'd have it like a shot because it is it is the the daddy of dash cams. Yes, it's a fantastic prize. I'm sorry, Paul. Is, we and, we tried many times. To ask there you to get in touch, but you haven't. So no way of getting in touch. Your, your email address was nothing. You don't seem to follow either of us on Twitter, or certainly follow me or the podcast on Twitter. Sorry. On the other hand, if you haven't been in touch, you haven't heard that you'd won, so you've not lost. <laughs> so no. I, I've just been stirring. Sorry, the 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 contents, which I can finally get rid of. Yes. Sorry. Do you want- There we are. And for people who are watching in uh, colour vision, that was Alan dipping his hand into the hat and shuffling bits of paper around. (laughs) Oh, boy. This is going to look like a fix. Uh, James Cooper, congratulations. (laughs) Well done, James. (laughs) 
there you go you see and there are loads by the way there are another ooh, 20 many. or so name many names in there but yes uh, so well done you've pretty much won um two two competitions in a row that'll make you happy bunny uh great uh so we've done that which means it's now guilt minute the quick breaking show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running if you feel like the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month then you can become a patron different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you including being able to watch the show recorded live we also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts if you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you if you've done all that and some of you do so thank you as always then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues thank you right wrc yes uh and this is uh rally italy and yet again, God, I don't know if my heart can take any more of these, but there was massive amounts of drama in another. It just, it just happens. It was every Italy. WRC, every WRC. Hyundai, or more to the point, Ottanic, was storming away, as in pulling away from everyone, until a reliability issue. Well, wasn't it's not so much reliability when a stone destroys your rear suspension that's just more unlucky but on the upside he's now in sync with the car and the car is clearly fast they just need it to be able to make it through with him driving so Sebastian Ogier unexpectedly wins the rally considering he was opening all the stages cleaning the road for everyone yeah and uh, in his own words, he said, I'm quoting here on the Dirtfish article, coming here first on the road, we were thinking, better stay home. It's going to be a... Word. Insert expletive. <laughs> weekend. <laughs> End quote. Uh, and because he is so massively talented and the Toyota Yaris is very good, he was there, thereabouts, who could take advantage when things went wrong for both Tanek and then Sordo, who was running in second for Hyundai until things went kaputski for him. And then Elvin Evans was second with Mm -hmm. Nouvelle again in third. (laughs) But now there's Nouveau's 28... Sorry, no, Nouveau is ahead of Octanek in the overall championship, but he's third. Ogier is ahead of... Uh, Nouveau by 29 points and OJ is 11 points ahead of Evans so like the Toyota pair are pulling away they are uh, similarly Toyota 50 points ahead or 49 points ahead in the manufacturers standings um, Hyundai 100 points ahead of M Sport Ford yeah M Sport had a dreadful Friday yeah they just don't seem to be doing well they weren't anywhere in the top 10 sadly well the drivers bin the cars on the first well one did it on the first stage for the second race going or event going and the other one it, it had a, a a moment later on in the day so they were mm-hmm. they were nowhere and that's for a team that is punching way above its weight in terms of investment and money yeah that's a, you need everyone to be 
on the ball beyond the top of their game for the entire weekend and that just wasn't the case for them so unfortunately all the hard work that happened in the background just undone so it's just mm. such a shame for them um, yeah but the car is quick because uh, one of the drivers was running in second for a while uh, until it went wrong for him so mm-hmm. Also, the Nürburgring 24 was on at the weekend. Yes. When I say 24, that wasn't quite as many hours as they managed to race for, thanks to rain and fog and everything. Yeah, the live stream was up for 24 hours. Yes. (laughs) Although people managed to get a proper night's sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And a lion. I mean, it was a three and a bit hour race at the end. Uh, yes. Manic. I mean, have you seen some of the overtakes? Yes, I, we actually sat and watched the compilation of some of the be, you know, the best of, um, where a French race, of course, which is like 16 minutes worth on the Nurburgring 24 YouTube channel. It's just got music in the background, sadly, the same music for 16 minutes, but just some of the racing and how close and some of the crashes were pretty, pretty shocking. You can yeah. see why they stopped it. I mean, it was like, Driving through a river in places. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still so glad in 2019 it was lovely, <laughs> beautiful weather. <laughs> and special shout out to Nia Khan for his tweet about yes. um, Tim Coronel. And <laughs> as soon as he had an accident, got on his phone. Well done, Nia. That was excellent. Good work. Good work. Right. Do you want to take us to uh, our friends at Mission Motorsport? Yes. Uh, Race of Remembrance. Uh, is planned to take place this year on the 12th to the 14th of November, which is, of course, the Remembrance Weekend, Remembrance Sunday. There's a number of things happening this year. It's not just the physical race in Anglesey. They are going to have bonus activities, including the iRace of Remembrance, uh, which is going to be online. Uh, there's going to be an endurance go-karting race. And obviously, uh, there's going to be a repeat of last year's URROR, um, a way for supporters to commemorate in their own way if they can't necessarily be there. On the Sunday, the pit lane service will be live streamed from Anglesey, uh, halting all of the different activities. Um, so you can still join in that way. Mm-hmm. Awesome thing. Uh, if you want to find out more, uh, go to missionmotorsport.org and the announcement is there uh, on their homepage. Yeah. But well, that's, that's not all. No, not all at all. Uh, this week, Thursday, I think it is, or tomorrow and Thursday, Mission Motorsport are going to try and break the record for the furthest driven on a single charge. Now, what happens is they found out the French had rather outrageously set a world record uh, of 351 miles in a single charge from a Renault Zoe. So James Cameron has decided that the team at Mission Motorsport are going to try and beat this. So he's been finding out all sorts of stuff about electric cars, how to drive them, how to drive them and get the most out of them, and all these other things. So uh, they're going to uh, be doing it at Thruxton, isn't it, I think? Yes, yes, it's Thruxton. So they're going to be doing this at Thruxton, which uh, going from Wednesday to Thursday uh, and using all the daylight that they can... (laughs) So absolutely best of luck to them, but do keep an eye on the uh, on the social media to watch watch along, support, uh, cheer on everyone. But uh, that's that's great. That is Hendy Group is supplying them with two Zoes to to try this with. So um, so yeah, that should be that. This should be very cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. New new car news. Yes, new new car news. Let's start off with. 
Uh, let's start off with the BMW i4 then. Uh, so the... Uh, so it's a... What is it? It's a Grand Coupe style body shell. So it's the five-door version of the two-door version of the four-door car. Mm-hmm. Which is the, the, the root car, of course, being the BMW uh, 3 Series. Uh, this is purely electric. Uh, there'll be two versions, which is the i4 E-Drive 40 or the i4 E-Drive M50. The E-Drive 40, which is not in any way, shape, or form awkward as heck to say, by the way, <laughs> uh, has a single mount. A single motor mounted at the rear it makes 335 horsepower. In theory, it will do 60 miles an hour from it in 5.7 seconds, and will go 300 miles on the charge. The M50 version has two motors, obviously one at the front, one at the back, which make 536 horsepower. It can get you to 0 to 62 in 3.9 seconds, and can still get you 245 miles on one charge. It borrows its challenging looks from the from the four series mm. at the front, so you know, great big pointy teeth and all these kind of things. But frankly, most people think don't care. In the picture, with it blanked off, it looks better. It looks better with it blanked off. It's just not. I don't know. Yeah, frankly, it's one of those things you're just going to look at it and either like it or dislike it. Uh, the coolest thing about it. It has a massive hatch, by the way. Um, but the coolest thing about it is that the front BMW badge on the front uh, is supposedly the filler for the washer bottle. It's going to look great dribbled all down the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all right because they're all on PCP, so... Uh, they'll never or, get or, or, filled. Or at least, so, so basically they'll never get filled anyway. Uh, <laughs> the So cruel. Uh, inside, massive screens. Funnily enough, there's renderings. The boot hatch is is massive. It looks it looks like an updated version of my cousin's 420D uh, Grand Coupe. It's like a fa- it's a uh, fastback. It's fastback at the. Back. It's a fastback, and the, the boots in these things are massive. They are incredibly practical. It will be a lovely thing to be inside and to drive. Yeah. If you don't mind the looks, it'll be a great thing. If you do mind the looks, you'll buy something else anyway. So. Sorry, te- technical consumer advice there. Uh, somebody pointed there's a it points out in the Jalopnik article, which will be linked, uh, that it is the first three box rear engined car BMW has made since the BMW 700, which is quite a significantly different vehicle. <laughs> if you don't know what a BMW 700 looks like, so yes, yes, all the screens, all the stuff, all the gear, all the grill, as long as you tick the options. As long as you take the options. Again, there's there's actually... The, so, ever since the M440i, X-Drive Blur, uh, that I had, <laughs> then I've been looking at them, and actually there's quite a nice dark grey, which doesn't have the full Darth Vader effect and actually looks all right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's, it's all in the spec with these things, I think. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Andrew, Kia Sportage. Yeah, an incredibly vital vehicle for Kia. But they've updated their their Sportage quite radically, uh, in line with the EV6, sort of in terms of looks. Um, there's very much there's hints taken from that design, particularly at the front. They're expecting this to well, looking at the specs and the pictures and everything, it's a it's a step up from the 
current Sportage, and they reckon it's going to cost more than the 24 or starting point of 24 grand, which they are at the moment uh, as a consequence, but that's to be expected. I think it looks quite handsome. I actually quite Do you like think the front. so? I quite like the front end. I actually don't like the front end. I think it looks like a Pontiac Aztec with those high up nostrils and the sort of weirdy lights at the sides, which will make it look a bit like a, some kind of odd Star Wars character. I would rather have the equivalent Hyundai. It is not an generic SUV. Yeah, but it's not an attractive SUV either. Okay. In my mind. But, you know, I've only seen pictures on the internet let's wait until you see it in its, in, in its flesh but I, mm-hmm. i'm not loving it at the minute i would rather have the i'd rather the hyundai tucson right at the say from the pictures i've seen okay okay inside looks um very nice Up- upgrades all around there there do seem to be a few knobs um for the heating and stuff like that and there's talk of haptic buttons so whether that's more haptic than button, yeah, I'm not sure yet. Again, the pictures aren't clear enough to really tell. No, and they're renders as well, so it is very difficult to to, to tell properly. But it, it looks Audi-ish in there. It's a, you know, especially that steering wheel mm. uh, with the new logo. It looks nice inside. Yeah, I bet it's going to be really comfortable. Yeah. I bet it's it's well, we know this is going to be the case that it's going to be well screwed together. It's going to be decent materials where you need the decent materials to be and that sort of thing so yeah i mean it's they've they've carried some themes through inside but i think it's been done quite well Um, Mm -hmm. and it it looks more premium than the current it does but the current ones are good looking i'm not saying that looks bad at all i mean if you you trace the evolution of the kia sportage i think it's a it's a pretty good reflection of tracing the evolution of 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 kia Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest if you think about the sort of frumpy body on frame early ones which and then there was the ugly ones and you know it's quite a quite a story really yeah yeah so uh looking forward actually again because it is so important to kia looking forward to um seeing one of these when they come out properly yes mm-hmm. having a good proper poker one mm-hmm Okay, Alan, do you want to take us to our lunchtime read? Yes, the lunchtime read, which I did try to attribute to Andrew, but he flicked it back to me again, uh, just so that, you know, I didn't have people making a joke. Charge your glasses, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Making lots of jokes. is actually from Top Gear, and it's all about how to celebrate the Toyota Land Cruiser's 70th birthday in, in style, and... Ryan Horncastle takes a... 70. Yes, 70 series uh, across uh, South Africa. Yeah. And it looks... I want one. It looked... <laughs> I just want oh, one. I've, I've always wanted one. It just yes. looks great. It it I mean, it talks about it in... A, this is not giving away much from what you will read when you read the lunchtime read. But it seems to have the right level of things that you need in it and ruggedness yes i mean but that's i mean this is quite a plush one for a 70 series so Mm. 70 series is the one where there's still a hint of like separate front wings and it's not you know the one you know we think of the 80 the 100 and i think it's now the 200 which is the big land cruisers Mm. this is this is not the big land cruisers as not even sold here anymore uh we get the mid ones now this is the one that's still pretty square Look at how much glass it's got in it. Yeah, that's because it's pretty. It's only been sort of, sort of polished off on the sides, 
for a little bit over the last 20 years. Mm. Uh, the last time I drove one of these, it was a pickup truck and it was, and I drove it for about 20 meters in France. And that was, uh, they're very cool. Yeah. Do like them. Such a shame there are regulations that now I mean they can't put that over here. But one of the points that, that you, everyone does need to read this because it's interesting the story of the 70. Uh, mm-hmm. Particularly, what's happened in Japan about it. So, do read it for for that information alone. I don't want to reveal too much. No, it's it's it's, it's the usual one. Yeah. Uh, so, linking back to this to the Mission Motorsports uh, attempt to try to go as far as they possibly can in one of the in in a Zoe is a list of the week from uh, a website called called I Drive Safely. Uh, who say they build safer drivers, but it's the top 10 hypermiling uh, tips. Now, somebody shared this on Twitter, and I'm sorry I didn't make a note of who it was when I tagged the article to include in the show no- in the show this week. So my apologies if it was you, and I can't give you credit. Uh, hypermiling, of course, is how to go as far as you can on as little energy as possible. And this is the top 10 plus one that really you shouldn't be doing. Yes. Have you got one in there? Uh, the, the one that I tend to do and use is use my cruise control. That's the best way that I, when I'm driving cars with cruise control, I always get better uh, fuel consumption. It just stops my speed creeping up. Uh, yeah. It, it's, yeah. And it's generally a smoother smoother reaction to stuff going on as well. Yeah. What, what about you? Do you have a particular one? Um Number three, which is avoiding braking or accelerating hard, which ties in with the cruise control. Mm-hmm. When... I, when I am again, when I am smoother as the driver, as opposed to having the car do some of the stuff or help me out with some of the stuff, then I find I can get further. Because some some of these uh, are also pertinent for ice cars as well. So, if with our petrol prices going up, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, these ones are these ones the ones that they give in here for the various records are all hybrids. I think it's quite an old. This is quite an old list of the hybrids, but I know that we did quite a lot of this for um, when we were doing charging around Britain as well. Yeah, momentum and smoothness. Yes, keys, keys to it. Right, do you want to take us to uh, Gloucestershire and somebody actually doing good works? Yes. Well, this is something that came up. Now, I I saw this as it related to to Smith and Stiff uh, podcast where they were talking about you know cars missing hubcaps and wanting to to give to essentially return ones that the people had to actually give them the matching hubcap back again but it turns out uh that a chap called uh matthew checksfield who's 14 uh he collects uh hubcaps cleans them up and tries to match them back to cars that might have lost them his mother was saying there's now 150 spare hubcaps in their front garden waiting to be given away and that if he spots cars that uh that need them then he he will go and he will he will leave them on people's doorsteps with a little note explaining explaining why so so yes and this has made lots and lots of this has actually made the news the the link is to a BBC story. That's really nice of him. Mm-hmm. What a what a nice thing to be doing uh, for for folk. Uh, not just you know it's it's picking up stuff that's been dropped and and then giving it back to people who hopefully will appreciate it. Yep, and the gesture. Yeah, cracking stuff. Yes, well done, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we finish up, uh, parish notes this week uh, released a special edition 
uh, last Friday with a chap called James Brown from a digital consultancy called Four Roads. And we're talking all about the potential future of car buying and of showrooms and multi-channel purchasing and research and all sorts of really quite nerdy stuff. It was pretty nerdy even by our standards. I really, in, I learned lots and, and, and found it interesting when we were chatting. Uh, I really hope that you guys will too have had some, some nice feedback on it so far and long may that continue. So, so yes, do please have a listen to that, uh, from, uh, from last Friday. Uh, Zoom Zoomers was on last night. Uh, we were waffling. And if you want to hear the original source of all the discussion about the chips and the decontenting from, from Joe Tanner, uh then then listen to that lots and lots of formula one chat last night so if you are a motorsport person uh, last night zoom zoomers was was one with quite a lot of a lot of f1 and f2 insight uh given in in there you can tell when there's lots of f1 and f2 insight because my eyes start crossing because i don't really follow what everybody's talking about <laughs> link in the show notes Yes, links as always in the show notes. Andrew, anything from you that I might have missed? Nope. No, no. Uh, anyway, folks, don't forget between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page at motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know exactly how special it felt to drive a Toyota Land Cruiser 74 20 feet or so, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Uh, the best way is, of course, Twitter. Where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will be back soon unless I've, don't know, clubbed andrew for death for making jokes about <laughs> to land cruisers uh but until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring